Hi. Hello, miss. Kirk, you don't have to keep calling me miss. I think it's a bit overawed by your new job title. What was it again? Senior knicker flogger? Senior sales advisor, actually. Oh, did you get a badge with that? No, no badge. Mm, pity. Anyway, best get back to work. Seems though half a dozen people are off and I'm pretty much doing everything on my own. Come on, Kirky. Hi, miss. The talk of the street. 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 Hello and welcome to episode 167 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Coronation Street Catcher podcast that was surprised to see that despite being good at art, Nina awarded the commission of Seb's mural to a cow with a brush in her mouth who had never once seen Seb. I'm Gammon. And I know how to show my baby a good time. Well. By taking him to Join us next week. (laughs) Well, we haven't had it yet, so you don't know. Well, I know it'll be a good time, because it involves etchings by Edward Hopper, so... How could it not be a good time? Right. It's his paintings, I think, are more famous than his etchings. Right. I've seen a few of his etchings before. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're good because they're Edward Hopper. But, right. You know. Yeah. They're no Nighthawks. Right. Well, but, but still, again, not all of his paintings are Nighthawks. However, no. he is your favourite artist. I would say so. So, I... Uh, when we saw uh, Daniel and Daisy talking about art... Yeah. ...tonight... <laughs> yeah, I was... Oh, they're taking a little shout for Hopper there. Yeah, well, they were talking about abstract artists, though. And Edward Hopper is not an abstract artist. No, it's definitely not. Definitely not. But yeah, it's Gav's birthday next week, and so... Huzzah! For Gav's birthday, I am taking him... 75 years young. ...to the beautiful city of Cleveland. (laughs) Cleveland? And it's hilarious because Cleveland. I took you to Cleveland for your birthday before. This is the second time I've taken you to Cleveland for your birthday. Right. Because two years ago we went to Cleveland to go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and a Zombies concert. Right. Who I didn't think I'd heard of, but as it turned out, I had. And yeah. I knew quite a few of their songs. One of their songs is one of our songs. We've we've gone from Cleveland to Indianapolis to Cleveland. <laughs> I'm looking forward to what Omaha next year. <laughs> well, it's it's tough because Minneapolis because we really don't have any more dead presidents that are no, weekend require, close. No, not a weekend close. No. And we are already going to be going on another like week long trip back to Connecticut for our niece's wedding in a few weeks. So we couldn't really do like a weeks long vacation for either one of our birthdays. No. So, you know, I had to get I had to get creative and do a lot of research on the internet to find something that you like that Helen I can take you to. Cleveland. <laughs> I tried to see if uh there were any concerts of people of artists that you like that would be happening this weekend that would be fairly close. Um cuz I've already for Father's Day, I bought Gav tickets to a concert that won't happen until next year. Right. <laughs> so. we, we may all be dead by then. <laughs> so I wanted to do something like... 
And, you know, I looked at a few like bluegrass festivals in, in Michigan oh. and they were all kind of pricey. Yeah. And also n- nobody were people that you'd really heard of. So mm. it would be a big risk. Yeah, so I don't adapt well to change. <laughs> you really don't. <laughs> or new things. So then, you know. So then I had to resort to Edward Hopper exhibits for these dates. And success, Cleveland. Yay. You've done that again, Cleveland. Yes. Yeah. I was thinking of maybe even doing that immersive Van Gogh thing. I was thinking we did that for years. Detroit. Yeah, Mm. I was kind of surprised we didn't do that for mine. But I liked what we did for mine. Yeah. Anyway, and that's the, the tickets for the... Van Gogh thing are like 42 bucks a person. Are they really? Yeah. See, I didn't choose that because then it would have been Detroit two years running for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, And that's arguably worse than Cleveland did, did to, Naples, Cleveland. Oh, that's right. We did mm-hmm. go to Detroit for my week, for my birthday last year. We went to Belle Isle. Yeah. Yeah. A good time was had by all. <laughs> <laughs> we got out the house. Yes. Yeah. And that was basically all you can do and basically that's all we're going to be able to do i think for the next right little while little while kids are gonna have to wear masks to uh school now Mm -hmm. even though they're vaccinated which is fine yeah as long as they get as long as they're going to school right yeah they'll actually be leaving the house Mm -hmm. so that's a step in the right direction right so yeah so we're heading out tomorrow morning tomorrow morning bright and squirrely that's why we're doing the podcast on a friday night i think it's a three three and a half hour drive i think so it's not too bad no we will stay over though just so we can have a nice dinner and kind of relax and Mm -hmm. enjoy the sights of cleveland drive down that street with all the flags again we really like that street with all the flags Mm -hmm. that'll take like five minutes (laughs) but sure find a movie theater yeah, I, things I would like to do is are pretentious art. I'd like to be as pretentious as possible this weekend. <laughs> I'd like to be pretentious about food. Okay. And I'd also like to be pretentious about a movie. So as long as we can do Absolutely. art, food, movie. So so we're not going to see that, that new Ryan Reynolds movie this weekend then? I can be pretentious about it. <laughs> I can pretend to be above it. <laughs> Actually, you already are. It does look really funny. You already are above it. We can wait and save that for next weekend. We can find like a art house Cleveland cinema, right, and watch something pretentious. Mm-hmm. Like, arguably, that uh, that uh, Anthony Bourdain documentary was slightly pretentious because we watched a documentary in a theater, and that's always a little pretentious, isn't it? Yeah, and some of it was in black and white. Yeah, and some of it was in French. Yes. Yeah, that was pretentious. As fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we preamble then, my dear? Yes, please. Give us some of that pretentious Corey news. No, oh, that worked out really nice. week. <laughs> it's so, a Friday night. You're all twisty turny. It's always funny. Topsy turvy. McGlynn is set to strap on her dancing shoes yes, and is. join the cast of Strictly Come Dancing. She is one of two out of 12 or 13 mm-hmm. that I know. Uh-huh. Not all of them have been announced yet. I think 12 out of the 13 have. Or the last one is, is announced today. 
because I, I looked at the twelfth mm-hmm. one earlier on. But I know, I know Katie. Oh god, and I can't remember the other person I know. Oh, Robert Webb. So no Robert Webb from that Mitchell and Webb look. Right. Yes. And I know Katie, and the rest of them might as well be people at my work for right. all I know. Right. That happens. Mm-hmm. So anyway, she's going to be dancing. Yes, she's going to be dancing like a ghost. Risen from the dead right. onto the dance floor. She's in Hollyoaks now. Is she? Mm-hmm. Your research didn't... <laughs> Cleveland. Didn't go, <laughs> didn't go that far, didn't you? What now, else she's what? doing? She's in Cleveland. She's she's playing She's a, in Cleveland? No, she's in Hollyoaks. <laughs> she's in Hollyoaks? <laughs> we're, we're going to Hollyoaks for my birthday. <laughs> Dollywood? What? <laughs> I just sold a box to a lady in Pigeon Forge. It's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. So yes, good luck to her. She says she's not a very good dancer. That she's uh, she's like Bambi on ice when she tries to dance. See, I think I'd imagine that would be like that. Yeah. Did you ever see her on that uh, sitcom? Not sitcom. Uh, stand-up comedian thing that she was on. Yeah, she's quite good at that. I thought she got better. She yeah. definitely got better. Yeah. Yeah, I really liked her on that. But I, we have seen her dancing on Coronation Street, and you know, oh, it reminds me of jive thing, isn't she? Elaine from Seinfeld. Mm. So, good luck, Katie. Yes, good luck, Katie. Mikey North, Sayer Khan, and Julia Golding swapped the Rovers for the Red Lion in Loughton last Saturday for a meet and greet with fans at an event to raise awareness for drugs and alcohol addiction. Oh, very good. Yes. And uh, Mikey North even got to go behind the bar and pull a pint. So where was this about? Loughton. Loughton. Yeah. Do you know where that is? No. (laughs) Somewhere in the United Kingdom. Right. Hopefully someplace rather close to Manchester, I would imagine. Loughton. I've never heard of it either. Well, then it must be someplace in England then. I've heard of English places. I'm <laughs> fairly well travelled. You're more you're more aware of places in Scotland, though. Loughton. Have you spelled it? L a w t o n. Oh God! L o w. L o w. Loughton. L o w. Not Lawton. This is gold. L o w. Why do we even have to know? Oh, it's in Warrington. Okay. That doesn't help you, but that it doesn't help me, me at all. That's a bit further south, than I thought it was. Yeah. Oh no, it's not. It's, it's absolutely slot mine between Manchester and Liverpool. Oh well, there you go. Very nice. I can actually hear people that are listening <laughs> to this in the future Yelling at screaming. Us. <laughs> Apparently, they were very nice, and they signed autographs, and everybody said that they were really down to earth and and good people. And I imagine, I I can't imagine them not being good people. Right. So absolutely. Yeah. Unlike other. See, Stars of the silver screen. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> Finally, and maybe you shouldn't news, former Corey oh. actor Sean Ward participated in an anti-vax protest at Television Center. He also got into a Twitter war with Piers Morgan, calling Piers a silly old clown, which is just proof that a broken clock is right at least once a day. And that's Corey news. That's Corey news. That's Corey news. And to be fair to Piers Morgan, for for once, he was saying that he was that it was a stupid, selfish thing to do to be protesting the vaccine and stuff. Was so he part Piers, of these people that tried to get into the BBC, even he, though the BBC are no longer in that building? Yeah. 
Okay, well, that's all he you was need like to know about that. on the front line wearing a beanie hat. Oh, they deserved all he gets then. <sighs> yes. <laughs> it's just a stupid thing to do anyway, isn't it? Well, I, I don't want to get too knee-deep in We've this. We've both been vaccinated and our children have all been vaccinated. We are for the vaccine. Well, yeah, but they were they were protesting... It seemed like they were protesting lockdown after lockdown had finished, which just... No, it was an anti-vax protest. So it wasn't about lockdown. It was about, um, you know, certain schools and stuff requiring kids to get vaccinated, although it's still kids 12 and older. So whatever. Anyway, that's Corey News. And now we'll podcast for coffee. Now, you kind of set this up as a competition last week, inadvertently. And you won, as I wanted you to. Thanks to Canadian Helen for buying us our coffees this week. Woohoo! Gavin and Helen, hope you enjoy a coffee from me, Canadian Helen, says Canadian <laughs> Helen. I love that. Loving the podcast very much. Happy birthday to Gavin. Happy birthday. Thanks also to Trisha yes. for our coffees this week. Happy birthday, Gavin, and happy belated to Helen. Aww. You two are the best. Thanks for one of my favourite shows. Thank you so much, Trisha. And thank you, thank, thank you, you so thank much, you. Canadian Helen, for our coffees this week. Yes, I am not drinking coffee. No, it's too late to drink coffee. I'm drinking a... Except I'm drinking coffee. <laughs> yes, I'm drinking a cup of milk out of one of my Kate Spade Let It Snow cups that the Let It Snow has washed off after, like, one or two washes in the dishwasher, which just goes to show that Kate Spade, or this Kate Spade company, should stick to purses. And shoes. Yeah, it's a Timbot t-shirt all over again. Yeah. But you were drinking... I'm drinking cutie coffee. You're drinking coffee. cutie coffee. And a, diet, and a Gosling's diet ginger beer. Right. Because you're fancy. I have heartburn, that's why I'm not drinking coffee. It has nothing to do with the time of day. Just in case anybody was wondering why I'm drinking milk and not coffee. Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? Were, were you wondering that? Bueller? You. Yes, you. Were you Bueller? wondering that? What's if t- so... Drop us a line. <laughs> was Tim Butt wondering that? Well, that was great. There you go. There we go. Tim Butt cares about my heartburn. Thank you, Tim Butt. Yeah, thanks for the coffees. If you want to buy us next week's coffee, where neither of us are having a birthday, you can go to kofi.com. That's ko-fi.com slash the talk of the street. And we will very much appreciate it. Mm-hmm. I appreciate everyone who's bought us coffees yes. so far this year. I can barely remember the last time I had to buy my own coffee, which is mm. which is nice. It's lovely. Makes me feel dead fancy in that. Yes. Again. Yes. And now this. this. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. Oh, welcome to Last Year Tonight with me, John Oliver. Just enough time to quickly talk about It's All Getting a Bit Alpha. Kirk said this, didn't he? That's right, this was Sean's observation <laughs> on a standoff between Gary and Adam. Oh, it's all getting a bit alpha, alpha, he said. And then he did that thing where his body turns round and his head has Goes to catch the up direction. I was Gavin and you were taking me to Indianapolis today. I think I think we've covered that sufficiently so far, haven't we? Yeah. 
we were hugely excited about getting out of Dodge for a couple of days. We decided live on the podcast that you would be the one to go pick up the kids in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. It's good that we decide these things live on the podcast. Mm. We're both going to Connecticut to pick them up. We're also bringing the adult child and the dog. I reveal how I've been driving my normal commute without going into work. We watched The Lighthouse, which I kept wanting to call The Windmill, and this marked a new low in our living room cinema club. I liked The Lighthouse. I think it had a little bit too much uh, uh, Robert Pattinson masturbating with a toy. David delivers the best one-syllable line of dialogue so far this year as Gary grows increasingly worried that Sarah has spilled his murderous beans. Abby calls on St Sebastian to put in a good word with social services and let her see the twins one last time. That didn't really work out. Bernie finds Chesney wandering lost and aimless at Dev's and learns about Gemma's rekindling of a friendship. That was those horrible people. Faye once more descends the stairs of knowledge and gets a glimpse of Tim's dad's dark side. Steve threatens Nina with a frozen sausage and Imran gets a casserole. Our moment of the week was David deadpanning Ox as he overhears Gary admit to loving Sarah ahead of his wedding with Maria. That was the one-syllable line thing. And our boring moment of the week was Dev talking about sardine tins. And that was Coronation Street and the Talk of the Street, this time last year. Shall we dive in, my dear? Yes, please. Our first storyline this week is The Platt's Fun Hit and Run. (laughs) On Monday, it's 5.15 and flaming morning. David catches Shona sneaking in. She's done something rash. She saw the empty space outside the house and went to move the car, got distracted by a slipper under the clutch, and she thinks she hit someone. So she and David go off to investigate. This was the strangest start to the week I can remember. It was a very cold opening. It felt like we'd missed an episode, and I don't think I'm the only one that thinks that. Yeah, it was a very cold opening. Because normally when people get run over, you kind of see it. And even though... The pandemic and COVID, etc. We've had road traffic accidents already. And I don't think it would really require very much to, to do the... Well, I think that they wanted a little mystery as to what, if anything, she hit. And maybe she didn't hit anything. And They could do that while showing it. They could just have the camera on her and you don't know what she's hit, but you know that she's hit something. To come and just announcing that she's hit something is a really strange way to start a story. Uh, I didn't, I didn't mind it as much as most pe- a lot of people do. But then again, I watch a lot of prestige television where things like that are. I thought we were waiting until tomorrow to be pretentious. <laughs> so they snoop around and there's some damage to the car, but there's no blood and there's no sign of a body. David was expecting to see Rita with her face down in the gutter and also whoever Shona ran over. <laughs> David thinks it must have been a dog. So later in the morning, David's Which try- I guess is better. Right. He's trying to pop the dent out when Abby comes along and checks it out. David blames hitting a bin. She offers to fix it, but it'll take a couple of days. And he's like, oh, thanks very much for that. And she's like, it's my job. Mm-hmm. Then Eileen comes out of the house and reveals to Billy that Todd has been hit by a car and left for dead in the street. <gasps> she was found by a taxi driver and taken to hospital. <gasps> So she rushes off to see him. That was a weird street for him to have been in for no apparent reason. And also for at a five taxi o'clock, cab. At five o'clock in the morning. Right. And also for a taxi cab to be driving through. So this is, this is, this is entirely my problem. Shona being up at that time is almost believable. Uh-huh. 
because of what happened on Friday and she's kind of obsessing about the car parking space. Right. So that's kind of believable. Right. But then Todd being up and just wandering the streets at five o'clock. Yeah. Without seeing that, it's very hard to believe that that happened. So, and also that particular part of the street, because that was like a real back street sort of area. Yeah, it was one of the area. back streets about it. So, you know, not even like right in front. Yeah, very strange. So David and Shona are in the rovers chatting over the events when Sarah comes in and reveals that Todd has been involved in a hit and run. Dum dum dum! Says Shona. David plays it cool, but at home Shona panics. David is concerned it wasn't an accident, but Shona's fury gives him his answer on that. She's actually thinking that maybe she did it deliberately. She did it on purpose, yeah. And he keeps on saying, well, you do some crazy things these days, as we all know and love now. Yeah. New Shona. Right. Never getting old Shona back. No. She's been less... Less Shona. Mm-hmm. Loopy, though. Right. But there's a moment where he asks her to either take care of something or look after something or go uh-huh. and get something and you think she's just going to totally fuck this up. Right. So Shona considers going to the police but David points out that hit and run gets jail time. He wants to dump the car and hope that it was dark enough for Todd not to see that she was the one who was driving. Mm-hmm. Then Abby appears at the door wanting a word with the two of them. She knows that David didn't hit a bin and he'll need the car off the street away from the cops because she knows what he did last summer, this summer. She knows what he did last night. Last night. Shona's forced to admit that she was driving and explains the events of the morning. Abby claims that she isn't a grass but needs a reason not to go at the cops. Well, that kind of makes you a grass. Mm. But if Todd doesn't recover, she'll be forced to go to Eileen. Right. Because she's such good friends with Eileen and stuff. In the hospital, Todd explains that he went out because he's not dead. Well, she knows what it's like to lose your son. That's why she would have to go to Eileen if he doesn't recover. In the hospital, Todd explains that he went out for a a. 5am walk when he got hit by a car and he can't remember anything else. Eileen leaves, pointing out that just because he's in hospital, this doesn't change anything about the relationship. Right, yeah. He's still an asshole. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you're not dead. You're still an asshole. I'll see you later. Right. Later, Shona runs into Sarah, who has suddenly become the Todd Condition Update Specialist. Shona tells her to pass on their best, as it looks like Todd's going to be fine, but he's got a couple of broken ribs and stuff. Then PC Tinker goes round to number eight and asks Shona if she knew about the hit and run. In comes David and he quickly covers. It was 5am and they were both sound asleep on this gov. That's enough for PC Tinker and he sees himself out. He's just going door to door at this time. Right, yeah. He's not falling up on any lead or anything. No. Shona can't go on like this, but David thinks it's not so bad because no one else actually knows anything here. The only other person is Todd, but they don't know what he knows. Right. So David announces that he's off to go to the hospital to see him and find out. Right. So using regret over last week's events, David goes to see Todd, who is sitting up and talking, but has two broken ribs. He also knows that Shona was the one what knocked him over. David wants to know the price of his silence. Oh, you'll find out, says Todd. Dum, dum, dum! So David goes home with the bad news, but Todd is playing a longer game and he wants something. And and Shona says, well, we know it's not my body. Right. <laughs> which, is, which is true. Yes. Maybe it's David's body. David is suddenly... Again. On the Wednesday, Shona can't sleep because of the whole Todd situation and thinks she should hand herself in, so David has to recap what he already told her on Monday. And then Todd appears at the door with his bags. And my ears burning. 
he says. Yes. Now, they're up at like seven o'clock in the morning at this uh-huh. point. Yeah. And Todd just turned up on their door with bags. He checked himself out of the hospital with broken ribs. At seven o'clock in the morning. Hmm. Or earlier, because you have to get there, right? Right. So it always rolls, the undertaker and Sarah in a leather skirt are wondering where Todd has disappeared Why to. Why are you so obsessed with Sarah's clothes? This is not the first time you have observed her in a leather skirt and made a comment about it. It's not, I don't really care about her clothes. Then why do you quite comment like that, about quite it? quite like that leather skirt, no. Uh-huh. Where Todd has disappeared to since checking himself out in the hospital. When the going gets tough, says Sarah, T- Todd, Todd gets going. going. I almost called him Tim. Tim, Tim gets going as well. <laughs> Where's Tim Scott going? Well. Well, the going just got tough. But but not for him, but he's still going. He's a tough guy, all right. That's why he's going. He's he's a tough he's going not guy. For stopping. No. He's like uh Well watch. Oh, he's all right. Like Shona's son running through the cemetery. Clayton. Clayton, yeah. yes. <laughs> he's going to. Just not as tough. There was a straight line through those graves. There was a straight line. But now he goes... Deedle, 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 deedle. Figure eight. The way that kid in the Game of the Thrones should have been running and wasn't. Don't get me started on that. (laughs) So, Todd needs a bed for a few nights while he recuperates. It can be David doing a mate a favour, he says. Nobody will think anything of it. Yeah, but we're not mates, says David. Well, we are now, says Todd, and he goes off for a bath. Like, and don't you remember I used to date your sister, so that makes us mates for life. Mm-hmm. And Shona seems to be quite happy to accommodate this. Later, Shona's enjoying Todd's company. She keeps on making them cups of tea and breakfast and right, stuff. Right, yeah, she's actually in, enjoying his, his company and they're, they're training war stories as far as head injuries are concerned. Right. David sends Todd upstairs just as PC Tinker comes in to explain that David's car has been found abandoned and damaged. Oh, pig's tits, says David. His oh, mouth dear. says pig's tits. Oh, dear. But his eyes do not. Ooh. Afterwards, David is concerned about the DNA evidence left on the motor and what about the CCTV. If they mm-hmm. figure it out, what's it going to look like with Todd actually living here? What? Todd doesn't care and he goes off for a nap. <laughs> So Sarah sees David and a bath. Doesn't he take another a bath, bath as well? Another one he takes two baths in one day. Sarah sees David outside the barbers and asks if he's seen Todd, which David thinks is a weird question. Moments later, Sarah calls Todd and seems to learn from him that he's staying at number eight of all places. Mm-hmm. So Sarah goes round and wonders why Todd is sleeping in Gail's bed, and there's a sentence that she doesn't <laughs> want to say ever again. Todd says it's just a mate doing a favour. Sarah points out that everyone hates him, so what's really going on? Todd keeps Stum, so Sarah goes off to speak with David about it. So David is chatting to Shona outside the barbers when PC Tinker happens along and promptly arrests David for, for, for perverting the course of justice and doing his damnedest to kill that Todd, which is a misdemeanour. Mm. Craig really gave it a, a gusto the you have the right to remain silent when he's lifting his mate. Yeah. Kind of like that. Shona storms home with Sarah and accuses Todd of grassing David into the cops. Todd has no idea what they're talking about. Shona promises to castrate Todd if he's had anything to do with this. Now I'm off to the station to get my husband out, she says. And you're like, what does she possibly mean by that? <laughs> this this happens, it's funny because this storyline happens twice with two different families. This week? This week. Where somebody has done something wrong and somebody oh, else yeah, gets yeah, accused yeah. of it and then somebody is somebody called the cops and the wrong person is accused of calling the cops. Yeah, it's a total control C, control yeah. D about this, isn't it? A wee bit. 
So at the station, PC Tinker goes through their evidence. David was spotted on CCTV driving the car that he reported stolen, and the paint fragments match those found up Todd's arse. <laughs> right. right, up, up his, his arse. arse. Back at number eight, Sarah is disgusted and Todd, what happened to my sweet boyfriend of yesteryear, she says. <laughs> the world, says Todd. The world <laughs> happened. Sarah says he poisons everything good in his life. Todd reckons everyone is better off without him. And it's right. So David has been left in the interview room while PC Tinker was going to get some more information. And he comes back with the evidence that allows David to be let go. David is worried that Shona has blabbed. And he's also worried that Shona's there and she's created a scene. Is Shona here? Did she kick off? She, she kicked off, didn't she? Yeah. And Craig's like, well, yeah, she did a little bit, but we've got her in another cell. And yeah, we're she's calming, fine. We're calming her down. Yeah, she's Again, fine. kind of funny and I would like to have seen that. Outside, Shona confirms that she had nothing to do with David's release and that that, Todd quietly tiptoes out of the police station And unseen. through the tulips. Mm-hmm. Todd tiptoes through the tulips. And number eight, Todd, who now has a key, comes in and David and Shona have sussed that he's the person that handed over the new information. Mm-hmm. Todd told the cops it was a different car that had a handsome driver, so it couldn't have been David. Ha ha ha! What about all that forensic evidence and CCTV information, says nobody? It could have been another car that had the same colour paint. Mm-hmm. But you've reported your car stolen, David, so that we then saw you on CCTV driving. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Todd apologises for uh, trying to take advantage and then grabs his bags, ready to leave. There's nothing for him here now that he's had a bath. <laughs> Shona can't Two. hide a disappointment. Two baths. So Sarah and Shona rush into Eileen's to worry to warn her that Todd is leaving. Eileen could not give a fuck until Shona admits that Todd covered for her and lied to the police. <laughs> and lied to the police. So that means that he's changed or something. So Eileen nabs Todd, about to leave at the tram station. She's done this before, mm-hmm. didn't she? Yes. When he first came back. Right. Control C, Control V. Yeah. He asks her to apologise to Billy and Summer for him. He's so sorry for ever, all the heartache that he's caused. And Eileen crumbles. And ask him to come home. Yes. On Friday, after all that excitement, Todd is ready to start another storyline this week. <laughs> Community payback with broken ribs. Mary isn't so sympathetic with him, but is keen for him to repay his debt to society and to change. He's in the last chance saloon, she says. Yes. So he reports for work at the soup kitchen to find that Billy is going to be his boss. Billy is not happy about this and sends Todd away, otherwise he'll close down the entire soup kitchen and no one gets to eat. (laughs) Either you leave, or none of these homeless people get food. Mm -hmm. And you can see the homeless people behind Todd going, What? What What the hell? Fucking starving here. What's the point of having a soup kitchen if you're going to close it down? What's going on? I liked the other guy that was... uh, Yeah, who kind of just rolled his eyes and walked away. He's like, oh, come on, Billy, what's going on here? And Billy says, it's my ex. So I'm his goes, victim. Oh, f- for fuck's sake. <laughs> well, I'll say he, you know, he, and he's right. It's weird that Todd got assigned f- for this with Billy. The gods of plot have a humorous side to them, apparently. apparently. And Billy, literally, so you. literally screaming at Todd right. that he'll close down the soup kitchen. Right, no soup for you. <laughs> There was a scene that happened just before that that didn't mention where <laughs> Billy's walking down as Todd's talking to Mary. 
Right. And Billy basically shouts abuse across the street on right. yeah. calls him a prick and a shit bag and that. Yeah. And then goes in to get his his breakfast or whatever. Yeah. He's just the worst archdeacon in the world, isn't he? There's just no idea of compassion it's not very or forgiveness. Christian of him, no. No. I mean, I understand his feelings, but to, sh- to threaten to shut down the whole soup kitchen is ridiculous. So Todd finally agrees to leave. Mary finds Todd licking his wounds in Roy's rolls. He's worried he's going to end up in the jail because of this. Because he, if he's not allowed to do his community right. service... Then yeah, he's going to go to jail. Right. And Billy seems to think that he, he shouldn't be doing community service, that he should be in jail. Right. It probably should. Yeah, probably. He stole from the church. Yeah, I wonder if that would make Billy reckon about the whole pews situation from a few months ago. Remember Mm. he sold the pews? Yeah. God, what a terrible archdeacon. (laughs) Honestly. So anyway, Uh, Mary promises to speak with Billy to try and talk him round. The writers are all atheists. So Mary goes to the soup kitchen and stands in front of hungry homeless people and very slowly talks to Billy about affairs of the heart while people are getting right. hungrier behind her. And also says she'll take a cup if there's one wanting. Right. Billy thinks Todd should be elbow deep in dog shite rather than working with him because this is good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is fun. Right. You know. And then he looks like, well, it's not it's not exactly fun. Right. Well, he's he doesn't it's want good to... good work. He, yeah, he doesn't want to admit that it's fun. It is fun to work at the soup kitchen. I've always enjoyed myself working at the soup kitchen you know because you're doing a good deed and also you know you get to talk to lots of people mm-hmm. and um and that's fun gets you out of the house yeah gets you cooking so anyway mary has managed to melt him on the matter although i'm not exactly sure how that happened so mary tells todd that he's back in Todd is impressed, although he's still being a smart arse about it. That, that's Todd's problem. Mary, Mary takes Tracy's advice, because remember, Tracy was there when oh, Mary's yeah. like, "Why?" and Tracy says, if I were him, I'd give you all the worst jobs and make your life miserable. So Mary kind of hints at that to Billy. Oh, yeah. So I think that's what got Billy sold. Right. So Todd's Not impressed. Not very Christian of him. So Todd has still been an asshole about this. He's He's turned into Chandler for some reason. Right. He's always got a smart ass remark to make right. to people who really don't like him and no. and aren't. He seems to, to think that this is going to charm people into liking him again. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't work. Mary warns Todd to get his dog shit marigolds at the ready. So rather than serve soup, Billy has Todd unblocking the toilets in the bathroom, and it seems that one of the homeless guys, Colin got a manscaper for Christmas and really went to town in one of the sinks. Yes. Above and below, apparently. Unless he's been hiding a French poodle under his armpit or something. Yeah, because it was his armpit that was... Well, no. No. By insinuating French poodle, they're talking about much curlier hair than what occurs in your armpit. Toilet's cleaned. Todd is still wisecracking his way through the day. And Billy still isn't impressed by this and announces that from now on he's going to be taking different shifts from Todd. And Todd's like, oh, so, so this is just to make it more difficult for you to forgive me. He's not going to forgive you. And you shouldn't expect him to forgive no, you. No, You no. did terrible, terrible things. You should be doing the right thing because you should be doing the right thing, not because you think it's going to get you back in Billy's good graces. And what it, is wrong with you? And it's been like two weeks Again, we have two sociopaths on the street this week. 
who keep saying sorry but aren't really sorry. Right. One of them we like, though. That's so, true. And that's as far as we get with that this week. One of them may be redeemable. <laughs> Ew, which one? Not Todd. Oh. So, yeah, your thoughts about this then? I was I was all good and ready for Todd to walk off into the sunset onto that train and we never see him again. No offense to Gareth Pierce, who is a really nice guy in real life. He's also a good Todd. Yeah, he's a good Todd. He's good at he's Todd. A good, yeah, he's good at his job. We're, 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 meant, we're meant to we're feel meant this to way about him, right? Right, yeah. It's like, it's like the, the kid in the Game of the Thrones who was a real asshole and, you know, people hate him in real life. Joffrey. Yes. Yes. Joffrey. And that he's a good actor. You know, it's always the best actors who play the assholes. What I mean, things George R. R. Martin's computer spell checked that to Jeffrey. I bet you happened all the time. I'm imagining it happened all the time, and I imagine that's not the only name in on the, the Game, Game of, of the, the Thrones, Thrones mm-hmm. that kept spell checking. Because all he did is like throw vowels out and bring other right. vowels in, didn't he? That's when he did that whole right click thing where it says ignore every time this happens in mm-hmm. the future. Fuck off, Clippy. Yeah. George R. R. Martin's never going to write those last two books, is he? No. So, this is, I think, there's a sense of urgency in the pace that some of these stories are getting told at. Yes. That I think is evident from the way that we started. Yes. We skipped, we skipped like a good hour's worth of drama. We, we mm-hmm. skipped a cliffhanger from a previous episode. Right. And just started in the middle. We did a Tarantino on on this storyline. We started somewhere in the middle. Because we're pretentious this weekend. Right, absolutely. (laughs) So we're cutting corners here to tell this story quicker. Yes. So we have the situation where Todd is getting to to expect almost forgiveness and Mm -hmm. redemption after a couple of weeks. Yes. Nothing Where normally this... I, I get the feeling this would maybe be something that would happen further down the line. And it's not the only time that this happens. There's other things that feel like they're a bit... We're talking in some sort of bridged terms in a few of these storylines where it's almost like we want to get this done so that something else can start. And, and I'm worrying, I'm wondering if it's to do with the whole... You know, we, we had the, the altered schedule... Uh, round about this time last year which went to um, three episodes and back up to mm-hmm. six again and remember that they had to do that end of year adjustment right. where they stopped filming and they went away and they, they tweaked the storylines right. and I wonder if this is kind of the the arse end of all that is what we're trying to get get further along earlier in certain storylines because they've had other ideas or other things going on that they want to introduce quicker I think that they, as well as everybody else in the world, are just really concerned that the Delta variant, especially when schools open back up, is just going to shut everything back down completely again, and they're not going to be able to film. So they want to get things done, wrapped up as quickly as possible, and do double duty as far as filming is concerned. So that they can get things that if we do lock down again, they wouldn't be able to film mm. done. 
Yeah, I think I think be... no matter if it's my idea or your idea, I think COVID is to blame in some way because COVID is to blame for everything. We just ended up that the whole Monday Wednesday. By the time we got to the end of Friday, it, it's like it didn't happen, and, and it didn't matter that it didn't happen. Because there's no ramifications for David. There should be because of the evidence. He should at least be getting done for reporting his car stolen when it wasn't. Right. That forensic stuff, surely Craig would have just a, a little inkling of suspicion that's worth investigating here. It, it doesn't matter. If Todd said it was somebody else, they're, they're going to take Todd's word for it because they know that everybody hates Todd. And again, a paint chip... There's no DNA on that paint chip that says it's David's car. Well, There's lots of other red cars in the world. Yeah, but they're all different shades of red, and each car manufacturer has its own shades of red that, right. that are proprietary, that they could but prove that David's this was car, a Ford or whatever. Right, but David's car is not the only car that's that car in the world. That CCTV has placed at that time. If if they wanted to, they could meet. They could no. They they, they don't have CCTV of that. They have CCTV of him moving the car away. Mm-hmm. The timeline works though. No, because it because it happened after the after the hit and run. Right. If it happened before the hit and run, then then the timeline doesn't work. But it happened afterwards. The timeline does. Uh, I think it just. I think something further is going to be happening with Todd in the Platts. Because, I hope so because otherwise Monday Wednesday were because a waste it's of time. because even before this they were really setting things up like Sarah was the only one who sort of wanted to forgive him last week and the only one who was willing to talk to him last week was Sarah and they make a very big deal this week of reminding the audience that Sarah and Todd used to date mm-hmm. they reminded Todd. Todd was reminding everybody, and Sarah was reminding everybody, yeah. and David was reminding everybody. And we so, appreciated that. Yeah. It's so it, it seems like they're setting something up for Todd and the Platts to do together. So yeah, we shall see. Moving we on, see. our next story is Seb's Messy Man Garden. On Monday, <laughs> Asha has woken <laughs> Dev up, because they're up early as well. Everybody's up early. He tells her about Ed's offer for land for Seb's community garden idea, which Asha didn't know about, and now she does. Asha goes to see Nina at Roy's Rolls, and it's a little awkward, but Asha offers to help with the Seb Garden fundraising, and Nina is very pleased to accept. Mm-hmm. Asha suggests collection boxes. And What a fantastic Nina idea. Nina says, I would have never thought of that on my own collection boxes. Wow, you're really smart that you suggested collection boxes, because nobody would have ever thought of collection boxes. Right. Not a comma or a full stop to be seen. No. Debbie is at the garage checking Abby's plans for lunch. Mm-hmm. When Asha comes along with her collection tin, it's got Seb's picture on it. Yes, that picture. Mm-hmm. Debbie contributes, but Abby doesn't. And when Asha goes, she explains that all she wants is the scumbags who killed her son to get their just desserts. Right. So Asha's heading to another shop when she gets a call from someone keen to conduct a monetary transaction, and we're led to believe that this is all fundraiser related. related. Asha goes in to see Deb to get his donation, and she points out that Debbie was kind enough to give 40 quid. Uh-huh. So Dev gives 50 quid. Right. Now that she and Nina are working together, Dev is concerned that she's going to get hurt. Proof that Asha is an Alahan. <laughs> so he advises caution on this if, you know, if mm-hmm. you've still got feelings here. Right. Back at Royal Rolls, Asha has managed to raise £400. Nina's amazed. Asha says, folks really loved Seb and puts it mostly down to Dev, but it's clear she's got the money from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. 
Asha gets home and Dev wants to Well, start. I mean, a hundred, at least a hundred pounds of that is just from Debbie and right. Dev. Right. Well, 90, let's call that right. 90. Asha gets home and Dev wants to start a horticultural GoFundMe and wants Asha to get her laptop to make it happen. But it seems the funds for Seb's garden have predominantly come from Asha selling the laptop. For only $400. Or oh, 310. Yeah. Dev is not happy about this, but Asha thinks that she owes this to Nina and Seb for being such a cow to them earlier. Dev cools, but wants Nina to know where the money came from, so make sure you tell her. Yes. So Asha goes back to Roy's, Ro- Roy's roles and is about to confess to Nina about the laptop when Nina enthuses about how popular Seb must have been for that money to be raised so quickly. Right. So Asha grabs her collar and decides just to be quiet about the whole mm-hmm. thing. And she also decides not to tell her dad that this has happened. And also, the collection boxes, yeah, you know, they're still out there. Yeah, they're not. They're not done. So yeah, they're not done. They're still collecting. So hmm. it does seem like lots and lots of people are like, "Oh, this is such a great idea, and we're going to help, and let's do this, and let's do that." So it does seem like he's well loved. So both things can be true. Asha, tell the truth. On Wednesday, Asha and Nina are starting to put Seb's man garden together. Nina is enthusiastic and doesn't seem to notice Abby's simmering disgust about the work that they're doing. Ed seems to notice, but he keeps quiet about it. Mm-hmm. Abby's just not... She's got this kind of fake smile plastered on her face. Right, and yeah. She's very abrupt when she's talking about yeah. it, and non-committal. Right. But Nina just hears, Abby is fucking loving this. Right, yeah. So Abby heads to Roy Rose and complains about the garden to Bernie, thinking that it's just virtue signalling. She's sick of it and the sympathetic looks that she gets. Then in comes Nina enthusing about the online reaction to the garden. Well, that's the main thing, says Abby, and then she leaves them to it. Right. N- Nina, again, is oblivious to Abby's mood in the matter, right. but has a great idea for an addition to the garden. Bernie tells an awful story about a woman who had a brick thrown through her window <laughs> because she wasn't clapping for the NHS because she was in the hospital. Right. Do you think that really happened somewhere? I'm sure it did. Of course it did. It reminded me of a story in The Sun where... You're reading The Sun now? No. That shitbag. I wasn't. But I think it was... They, they, they outed someone as a pedo. Uh-huh. When it, or he ended up on a list of pedophiles when he right. was actually a pediatrician. <laughs> oh, no! But he was like getting attacked and stuff in the street when he was a pedo-trician, but he'd been outed as a pedophile. But he wasn't a pedophile. Because no. some pediatricians are pedophiles. No, no, he was, he was, he was a good guy. Just a pediatrician, yeah. And there were some people throwing stones at a pedalo. It was just got all very messy. Mm. So, <laughs> thank you, Stuart Lee, for that pedalo joke. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> Kathy, Brian and Yasmin are working on the garden. Brian complains about people handling his plums and Tim's dad stealing his broad beans. And I was, yes, was I was so glad that there that was a callback to that. Right. Nina th- that was a great callback. Yeah, I thought it was a little insensitive for Brian to bring up Tim's dad. but In front of Yasmin? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A wee bit. Right. Nina thinks that Seb would have loved the garden and wishes it was here to see it. And she seems to be working on something else with a six-inch brush. Mm. Later, Abby decides to raise her own blood pressure by visiting Seb's man garden and is appalled to see Ryan taking a selfie in front of a honking big mural of Seb, hashtag R.I.P. Seb underneath it. It's, it's, it's dreadful. 
It's like a cartoon. It's an outline. It's a cartoon outline. Right. And there's like all these colours. And they made his lips enormous. They did. They did. And there's this kind of rainbow colour shimmer effect behind them. It looks dreadful. Nina is a much better artist than that. So I don't know. I don't know who they were trying to fool and who they got to make that mural. Oh dear God. Because it was not good. It wasn't great. So Ash and Nina are at Dev's and Asha goes off for a shite or something which allows Nina to thank Dev for his generosity. Confused, Dev explains that it was Asha who made the donation after selling the laptop. Didn't she tell you? Oops. At Roy's Rolls, Nina reveals to Asha that she knows about the laptop and Asha's lies. Nina thought that they were being honest with each other now and is now worried that Asha still has feelings for, for her, which Asha can't deny. Nina doesn't take this well. She's just buried Seb. Right, yeah. This is totally fucked up right here. Yeah. And she wants Asha out. Yeah. And she's not she's not entirely wrong. I mean, it's not it's not like Asha can turn her feelings off, but still selling the laptop was kind of a bridge too far as as far as uh, you know, trying to do good deeds. Is it creepy? In order to it's a little creepy in order to get Back into Nina's pants. She is young. I don't think she's. I don't think she's intentionally. I I think she is. Because she just said that I care about you. Right. Well, and that's what that means. But again, she's young. I don't think she necessarily fully realizes it herself that, you know, that that's kind of what she's still doing, Mm -hmm. that she's trying to get back together with Nina. But still, it is a little creepy, and I can understand Nina not being happy about it. So I thought she overreacted a bit. I didn't. Other overs, Abby tells Eileen that the life-size cartoon of her son isn't going down well. She's calling it a cartoon, so that's, yeah. Because it is. It's a cartoon. It's ah. not meant to be realistic. Ash is at home in a mood and being rude to Addy, and then suddenly grabs her jacket and heads out. At Roy's Rolls, Nina is sitting in the dark, drawing a cartoon of her and Asha not communicating on opposite sides of a river that's a little bit too on the nose, even for Roy. A wee bit. Meanwhile, an anonymous figure, under the cover of night, goes into Seb's man garden and fucking destroys it, and the mural, and then heads over to Alina and Tyrone's and takes a shit on that massive picture too. <laughs> if only. <laughs> and that brings us on to this week's Hard Debate. Who do we think wrecked Seb's man garden? Well, we know who At the end it. of Wednesday. Oh. So at the end of Wednesday, your options were Abby, Asha, Brian, <laughs> or Seb's animated mural. <laughs> mural. The mural had uh, become <laughs> had become sentient. Right. Pulled itself out of the dimension. wall. Mm-hmm. Yes. Kind of like Aha's Take On Me video. Yes. A little bit. We bet. But angrier. <laughs> yes. And like the, flowers. the Nazis in the AHA video. Right. Yes. The voting was spread thus. Brian, 2.6%. What? Seb's animated mural. And I know it's mural. I'm saying mural. I know. You're like, it's like. I'm Hilda Ogden. I'm Hilda Ogden. You're blaming what's her name in Muriel's wedding. No. Hilda always called her mural a mural. So it's a throwback to right, Corey that, from 30 that years That joke ago. is lost on me and half the right. listening audience, though. Seb's animated mural, 10.5%. <laughs> Seb's 
I wanted that to come second. I, really I love our audience. <laughs> Asha, 17.1%. And Abby, a resounding winner, 69.7%. Nice. But they made an effort of trying to think that it could have been Wink. Asha by having her get up and go out. Right. And a lot of the spoilers. So where did she go? A lot of the spoiler stuff as well was saying that Asha did it. Without the question mark. So that seems, whenever there's a spoiler without a question mark, that's supposed to be something that's actually true. Right. On Friday, Roy has a planter for the stupid said man garden, but as he goes to drop it off, he sees the destruction and calls on Nina to come see this for herself. Nina can't believe the mindless vandalism. What's the point of trying to do anything nice if some shitback is, is just going to ruin it for everyone? Sally and Abby walk by, Abby coughing loudly and clutching her collar. Nina has a culprit in mind, mm-hmm. and it ain't Abby. Yeah. Back at Sally's, Sally can't believe the vandalism and hopes Abby isn't too upset about it. Abby isn't upset at all and no. admits that she was the one what wrecked what the garden. She hated it. She couldn't bear looking at it. Mostly the mural. <laughs> Asha happens upon Seb's man garden now, and Nina wastes no time in accusing her of doing the damage. Asha thinks that this is bang out of order and demands an apology when Abby comes along and says, Look, that was me. me. So Nina's confused as she misremembers every garden-related interaction that she's had with Abby, ever. Abby isn't happy with people gopping at her son or for him to be a poster boy for hate crime. Abby doesn't want his death glamorised. He's dead, he isn't beautiful, this is plain ugly, and she storms off. Back at Sally's, Abby's unrepentant. That mural was fucking honking. And Sally agrees, but points out that this is kids trying to come to terms with what happened and Seb would probably want it. Yes. And then she misremembers Seb for a bit. (laughs) About how lovely and caring he was. kind he was, yes. He wasn't wasn't at all a prick to his mum at all. No, but he was kind to other people. So Nina and Roy and Asha are dismantling the garden. Nina's about to paint over the mural when Abby shouts, Stop! And she arrives with a Don't plant for the that. garden. Yes, it's a raspberry. She's had a change of heart. She can see the beauty in it now, but please crack on and cover that fucking mural. Cheers. Yeah. And that's as far as we get with that this week. Again, we're, we're delaying getting to the bit that we really want to get to. Right, the, the court thing. The court case. Because yeah. right? this is, again, this is just a, um, a little distraction of Abby and Nina being at... Uh, cross purposes right. and wanting different things right. and we've had this at least two right. or three times yes. in, the, in the last sort of month it seems month like we are never getting Nina goth Nina back are we I think we'll wait until after uh, the court I hope so because it's it's taken me a lot to warm to not goth Nina, not goth Nina. because she seems to have really just settled into she doesn't look like she's borrowing someone else's clothes no, anymore. No, she has her own wardrobe. Right. Now, right. You know, and she seems to have figured out doing her hair in a ponytail and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, once the bruises kind of faded. Right. And she's taken all her piercings out. Mm-hmm. Which, well, at least kept a few piercings, one would think. Well, when when Nina was introduced to the show, we or at least I thought that it would be a matter of time before they would... Degother. Right, and homogenise her. Mm-hmm. It's taken longer than we expected, or it's taken longer than I expected, but right. it's kind of happened. And you're right, she's been like this for a while. Yeah, it's kind of heartbreaking. It is and a bit. apparently her, her ability to do art has diminished. <laughs> it's taking a severe hit. It's and her ability to her, read people's expressions her, and tone. Her, her 
black dresses were her were Samson's hair. Yeah. In the storyline. Oh well, moving on. Our next storyline today is Daisy's chain <laughs> on Monday. <laughs> well, I didn't expect that reaction. No. I'm just I'm just trying to figure out which one would be in the front and which one would be in the back. Oh, like they were a human centipede? No, like they were a human daisy chain. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, that's far less disturbing. Still disturbing, though. Less disturbing. On Monday. (laughs) I think I'd I'd stick Ryan in the middle. No, well, Daisy would be in the middle, obviously. That's why I would stick Ryan in the middle. Daniel at the top. What's Daniel got to do here? He's part of this chain now. Oh, apparently. I just had a, had, a, had a three-man chain. Or three-person chain, rather. Well, I did too, and now it's four. Because I just remembered Alia. So it'd be Daniel, then oh, Daisy, then Ryan, then Alia. Yeah. It's a lot of lube. <laughs> On Monday. And the rover, Daisy. Who is the fifth person you were thinking of? We've, this is taking much longer to get through than I thought. So you've got uh, Daisy, <laughs> Ryan, Daniel, Alia, Johnny. <laughs> no! Although Johnny was a little creepy during the storyline. Mm-hmm. He says one thing that yeah, I, I was think, kind of off-putting. I counted Daniel me. twice. Yes. That's what happened. So, <laughs> on Monday in the Rovers, Daisy, because Daisy's in it this week, learns that Ryan has a ski festival DJ gig. Daisy wants to go to Speed Well, no, she, she knew about this. This is a like, ski gig. It's the same he, one? Yeah. <laughs> he hasn't gone to it yet. I thought yet. we'd been in that and back. Right. But Ryan, I thought so too, but then there, this, I'm really confused. <laughs> Daisy wants to go to Speed Dial, but Ryan has reservations not for Speed Dial. Yeah. See, I expected a joke. Yeah. Daisy makes a fuss about him being her girlfriend now, not Alia. Boyfriend. And <laughs> Ryan is a boy. And Ryan's like, sure, you're my girlfriend. Sure. If I could stop my eyes going from side to side. <laughs> sure. As speed dial, Alia is mature about Ryan and Daisy showing up. Daisy can't wait to brag about the big names that Ryan will be DJing with. Ryan plays it down while Alia congratulates him. Daisy sees that Ryan still has feelings for Alia, but... Yeah. And she's unimpressed when Ryan keeps looking at Alia and she's uh, being a bit of a whore bag customer as well. She's well, been that's the nasty. whole reason why she wanted wants to, to go to Speed Doll. Ryan is embarrassed by it all and runs off, somewhat pissing on Daisy's chips as she tries to show off. Yeah, this was this was the first time that I actually really hated Daisy. Oh, join us. <laughs> I'll just tighten up when Jasmine comes back. Alia downplays, because she's away, she's been away at the dentist or something. Right. Alia downplays the Daisy incident, but Yasmin can see through it. After all this, as soon as they split up. Yes, Yasmin says, no drillings, no fillings. <laughs> <laughs> I loved that. It's so good to have the real Yasmin back. Mm-hmm. After all this, as soon as they split up, he jumps into bed with her. What a prick, says Alia. What a bitch, says Yasmin. Yes. At the pub, Ryan is upset that Daisy had to tell Alia that they got together so quickly. Daisy insists that she must be honest, which is why when Johnny comes in, she tells him Jenny is out with Ronnie. Ryan yeah. and Johnny look like they'd kill each other just to be the one to get to kill her. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Ryan says to Johnny, oh, look, 
she's they're just going to the cash and carry. There's mm-hmm. nothing funny. Nothing funny going on here. No. On Wednesday at the Rovers, Jenny is talking to Ryan about his fancy DJ slot and how Daisy is uber excited about it. And Ryan is forced to reveal that he has an afternoon session looking right. after kids. Yeah. Jenny laughs in his face. <laughs> and later, Ryan explains. A that gig l- is a gig, though. Yeah. I, fuck all these people who are being so nasty to Ryan about this. A gig is a gig. Well, we learn a little bit more about it as Ryan explains the lay of the land to Daisy. The gig's in the afternoon for kids. Oh, under 25s, she says. No, under 12s. And the location <laughs> is a sleigh ride away from the main bars in town. Daisy is fucking fuming about this and walks away from the conversation. Later, Daisy's still gutted and disappointed about Ryan being a wimp because apparently he can't speak to the organisers and change Right, yeah, and insist upon a better gig. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he's a cheap wimp at that who's also booked a backpackers hostel for them to stay at. She's further disappointed when Alia comes in and Ryan turns into a gibbering wreck in front of her. Right. But her mood lightens when Paul and Daniel come in and Daniel gets a call from his mum giving him a house. Right. Which he plans to rent well, it doesn't even sound so like it's his... Back, it's not even... His mum. It's like his mum's lawyer or something. Well, I thought it was his mum. No, because it sounds like he's. He, he says at some point, "Is she sure? Is this really what she wants?" So it doesn't sound like he's talking to his mum. I thought it was like it was a dead aunt or something. Uh, like that. Yeah, yeah. It sounded like he was talking to a lawyer or something. But still, it's a very weird thing to just randomly happen now. Thank you. It is. So, but that's also, in the context of everything else. And also, this week. very little is very little is made of it, except for the fact that he he gets this com he has this conversation in front of Daisy, mm-hmm. who now knows that he has a little money, or uh, he's coming into a little money. Another thing that it does is it makes everyone think, why does Daniel owe Craig money again? <laughs> why does he owe Craig money? He owes Craig money because. He stole Tim's dad's money out of the lawyer's office. Right. And then Tim's dad wanted the money back. Right. But Daniel had already given it to the sex cardigan woman. So he needed to get the money off Craig to pay off Tim's dad. Right. Okay. (laughs) Or something like that. Or something like that. It was all the sex cardigan woman's fault. She had a name, you know. Which was? I can't remember. Good okay, sex cardigan it is. <laughs> On Friday, at the Rovers, Ryan is trying to sell the ski holiday thing to Daisy, who still isn't keen. He goes off to get to his... He has another gig to go to, and he goes to that. And Daisy hangs back when she sees Daniel and his man bag arrive. And the two get chatting, and Daisy pretends to give a solitary fuck about Bertie and children in general. Right, yeah, because didn't she just say, like last week that she hates kids I think so I yeah. think it's taken as a given that she hates everything Daisy and Daniel are in a giggly mood and no a no booth. she likes money and right. sex Johnny watches on and, and thinks alcohol. it's weird Daniel is explaining why Daisy's tastes in the art and music are wrong <laughs> so Johnny points all this out to Jenny he thinks it's odd that Daisy's flirting as much as this when she's supposed to be going out with Ryan and also supposed to be working <laughs> all that too so Jenny has a word with Daisy through the back about a relationship with Ryan, accusing her of getting revenge for Ryan speaking with Alia yesterday. And right. Daisy insists that if she was wanting to get revenge, she'd be sleeping with Daniel by now. Right. And also when uh, when Jenny was talking to Johnny about this and she says, oh, well, she's just she's just 
a flirty person. She flirts with everyone. And then Johnny says, Uh-oh. she never flirts with me. And that was the creepiest thing I think I've ever heard Johnny say. Ever. It was creepy, wasn't it? Timbot4000 says, who eats chili con carne without rice? If you know what I mean. <laughs> right. It's like, why would he? why would he want her to flirt with him? Right. It's the sort of thing that I think you could maybe catch yourself thinking and then think, oh, I it's because I'm this. three times older than her. Right. That's why. Right. Because, you know, sometimes you, you, you imagine yourself to be younger than you actually right. are. Right. Yes. I do that all the time. Not that I've had a chance to fucking do that. <laughs> everyone this week has been giving me um, senior citizen discounts. Gav got the senior discount when last time we went to the movies because we went to see Quiet Place 2 and they gave him a senior discount without even asking. I'm 47 years old. <laughs> Almost 48. No, you couldn't. You couldn't just let it, let it go. You couldn't just let me be forty-seven. And I got this at, uh, at the supermarket. Again? It happened at the supermarket <laughs> on Wednesday. Stop laughing on Wednesday. The guy in the uh, the checkout says at ten percent seniors discount today. Uh-huh. And You're I'm like, like so? what the fuck are you telling me? I'm forty-seven <laughs> years old. And the kid who must have been twenty. Yeah. It didn't miss a beat. No. Didn't look like he heard me. Uh-huh. And if he did, certainly didn't care. No. Wasn't embarrassed. No. Wasn't apologetic. No. And gave me 10% off anyway. No. No, he did. <laughs> I got 10% off. I'm 47. <laughs> 55 you have to be to get this 10% discount. Right. So you're almost there. <sighs> Seven more years. It'll fly by. <sighs> Oh, sweet death. Back in the booth. <laughs> Daisy proves how well she knows Daniel when she didn't know Sinead had died. Right. It's weird that she didn't know that Sinead was dead. You'd think somebody would have told her by now. Well, Daniel points out that this is the third time the two of them have spoken to each other. One of them was yesterday. One right. of them was today. Yeah. And then one of them was when he wrote that article about her that'll be it then that'll but, be three times but as we pointed out when they were sparring about that article there yeah. did seem to be some chemistry there right. and they she does seem to have more chemistry with daniel than with ryan who would rather still be with alia right. and it kind of does piss me off that we're just going to just plow over that whole consent issue there aren't we she says something at that time about, well, I couldn't have sex with him because he was he too had, drunk. He was too drunk. To but consent. nobody has pointed out, wait a second, you intentionally got him drunk to sleep with him. Mm-hmm. And this is not Ryan's fault. Right. So anyway, he comes back from his latest gig and it's been a disaster again. And Daisy goes off right. with him, but has lingering looks for Daniel and his man bag back in the booth. And they check each other out again. And his money. Leaves. And so, his, his love of abstract art. So I think books. Daisy and Daniel together could create this uber character that just attracts boring moment of the week from now <laughs> until the end of time. Daisy's not boring. She's just evil. And at least Daisy does have a favourite abstract artist and a favourite author. It's Jackson author. Pollock. So it's the one that she's heard of because she's got a Stone Rosie CD. No, because she knows who uh, What's-His-Name is. She when D- Daniel's favorite. She she makes you know big blocks of color. She makes up big blocks of color comment, so she knows 
more than just Jackson Pollock. Who would you have said? Favorite artist? Abstract artist. Because Daniel's very pretentious. He has to be specific. Uh, Jackson Pollock, probably. <laughs> so you're a daisy. <laughs> no, I don't particularly care for Jackson Pollock, but the ones that I like, I don't really know who painted them. Huh. I like the ones that you don't know if they're upside down or not. <laughs> Those are the ones that I really like. The one that I, that I really, really liked uh-huh. was at the Edinburgh, the National Gallery in Edinburgh when Tracy Emin had a had a retrospective on. Now, does that sound pretentious? I went to a Tracy Emin retrospective at the Edinburgh National Gallery. I think so. Yes. But All you had to do was say Edinburgh. And retrospective. <laughs> but they had an installation there of... Uh, LED screens mm-hmm. like massive LED screens that you went mm-hmm. in there and all you could see was the one colour and then, and you realise that you never see just one colour right. ever right. so this is really weird and it kind of the colour changes but right. it's not changing right. but your brain really struggles to keep right. up with it so they give you a, a just a plain white screen to look at at the end right. to cleanse your visual palette that was my favourite. So who do you prefer? That's not really abstract art either. All white or all one colour? Yeah, that's not abstract. Yeah, that's, that's, that's my book. Performative. Anyway. Anyway. I can't remember what they said about books. Because doesn't Daniel say who's your favourite author or something like that too? Yes, who our, who our favourite uh, band is and we, we don't hear the answer. Because it cuts away to Johnny talking about chilli and... Um, and why does Daisy not fancy me? <laughs> Who would you prefer Daisy to be with, though, Daniel or Ryan? Oh, Daniel. Yeah. Absolutely. They make a better couple. There's more chemistry there. I want Ryan to go back to Alia with his tail between his legs, and I want Alia to take him back because... I think that'll happen. It, it really wasn't his fault. Ryan is not enough of a challenge for Daisy, I don't no. think. No. She doesn't, there's no sport in that for her anymore. No, yeah, the challenge was getting him away from Alia. It wasn't Ryan himself. Right. It doesn't matter who Alia was dating. The challenge was to get something away from Alia. Right. Moving on to our penultimate storyline today. Already? Yep. Wow. Is Buying Back the Bistro. I kind of loved this. There's anyway. a part of me that loves it. And there's a part of me that doesn't. And that's and the reason why I don't love it is just because of the fact that I want Ben and Jane to have more of a vacation than this. Right. On Monday, Nick and Leanne are back. <sighs> they've been off for a week. <laughs> this is the second time they've been off for a week. <laughs> they bring them back. They're at the Bistro chatting to Debbie. Nick goes off for a shite and Debbie chats about the tough time that they're having recently, which seems to get Leanne all nostalgic for when she ran the place mm-hmm. with Nick, when it was Nick's Bistro. Toya is in Dev's buying coffee for Imran, who's practically hooked to the stuff now because of all the late nights that he's having and Dev isn't surprised what we're trying to get Kelly off. And Toya takes a hump at this and leaves and then she bumps into Leanne outside and Leanne is a bit sick of this woman of leisure lifestyle that she's had for a week. She's sick of all the massages Mm -hmm. and painting classes and Reiki that they've been doing. Then Nick rolls up in his old Rover 75 Come on you, it's photography course in town time. He's Yay. got a fucking car back. At the factory, Beth has given Toya a hard time about being the senior knicker flogger when Nick... Beth! Yay, Beth! When Nick comes in wearing a leather jacket. Yes, it's, uh, it's Sarah's skirt. 
And even though he doesn't work at the factory anymore, he's at the factory and he's at a loose end and it turns out that he's not ready for retirement neither, but he thinks that Leanne is having a ball. Right. So Toya sees the two of them, mm-hmm. having heard both of them and they're mm-hmm. obviously not speaking to each other because right. plot. So yes. she takes Nick to the pub and gives him a list of other activities he and Leanne can try. Nick is unimpressed as Leanne comes in and they both learn that the other one hates all this knowledge attainment and broadening their horizons and bettering themselves. And stuff. relaxation. And now Toya nips off for a shite and leaves them to it. Leanne has an idea of how they can better fill their time and she doesn't mean getting their hole. Unfortunately. On Wednesday, Nick and Leanne are in the bistro. Leanne has a million questions about the menu for Debbie and Debbie is just not in the mood. What the specials? There are no specials. There's no specials. Because a special is just whatever we had from... Leftover. Left, yeah, leftover with a sauce on it to hide the smell. Of the fish burger. What's the fish? Tasty fish. <laughs> Good, tasty, tasty fish. So Leanne orders Big to throw some money at them. Privately, she thinks the bistro might be in bother if Debbie is waiting tables. Nick wants to know what the deal is here. Not wrong. Why doesn't she have waitstaff? Well, the place has been Curtis. constantly closed. She has Curtis, she has Curtis Daniel. Curtis is, is dead in the funeral parlour. <laughs> no. Sleeps to the back with the corpses. No, it's like... We established it's like, this last week. No, it's like we get at Bernie's. Curtis is dead behind the bar. They've just propped him up back there. <laughs> Debbie's using them as a draft excluder. <laughs> so Neil... Neil? We are horrible people. The character Neil is invented. <laughs> wasn't there... There was a Neil at one point, wasn't there? Yeah, he was... Uh, Pedophile, I think. <laughs> Nick wants to know what the deal is. That's two pedophile jokes in one no, podcast episode. No, but he was. He was, he was Kayla's dad from the whole Bethany thing. But he was, yeah, yes. He no, was no, 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 you're right. I, I remember this. Right. But still, it's so, funny that we mentioned pedophiles. Right. Hilarious that we mentioned him. So Leanne shares an idea with him. Leanne pitches buying the bistro, thinking it's the ideal project to throw themselves into. And Nick's kind of worried that they're going to be sort of, they're all worn out, they're tired, and it's stress that they don't need. Mm-hmm. But she thinks that this is exactly what she needs to focus on, that she'd rather right. come home tired through this. Right, through something that she really wants to do mm-hmm. and not just filing Imran's files and <laughs> using using um, Adam stapler. Uh-huh. To staple things. There's better things to do than verbing uh, Imran's <laughs> nouns. <laughs> Nick is convinced and writes down I know a lot of people who would like to verb Imran's nouns. You're looking at one of them. <laughs> Nick is convinced. I'm joking. I'm just, I'm joking. You're not. And I'm, it's okay. <laughs> if I absolutely had to. Nick is convinced and Twist writes Nick is convinced and writes an offer down that he leaves in the... Would you call that the the wallet that the bill goes in? Like the billfold? That'll do. Debbie and Leanne continue to, to not get on. So Debbie has deliberately ignored the offer, thinking it was just a joke. She doesn't right. appreciate having Imran's secretary coming in telling her to run her business. Thank you very much. Nick promises to go away and come back with a better offer. Yeah. So they do. They come back with a new offer. Debbie's not for selling, but offers them 50%. And she writes the number down because she knows that's how Nick and Leanne like to operate. Right. Love, love that. Yes, love me too. It. Debbie is just... <clears throat> Nick and Leanne are Debbie appalled. Debbie is, is just one of the best things on the street right now. Nick and Leanne are appalled and leave, but they're playing a game, so Debbie, trying to hide her desperation, promises to make a better offer, and that's as far as we get with that this week. Yes, yes Debbie 
now that Debbie is not involved in the stupid right. uh, knock down the coronation towers storyline, right. and we've all kind of forgotten about that, we've all forgiven her because she's given people houses and stuff. She is. Um, she's a delight. She is the kind of the quiet star in the middle of all this. Mm-hmm. You know that when she's got a storyline, and when she's got <clears throat> some some other characters to bounce off. Right. Like, She's like Nina. Right. And um and Danny. But if you give and Ronnie. If you give if you give Debbie Leanne as a business partner. Oh yeah. That's gonna happen all the time. Yeah. And it's going to be amazing. It's gonna be great. The two of them together. Mm-hmm. Nick eh, whatever. Chef's kiss. And then Nick will be in the middle trying to... It'll be like Nick with Sarah and Carla all over again. Right. Yeah, probably. Only one of them he's actually sleeping with and neither one of them are his sister. It puts Nick back in the bistro, which is is good. Because that's where his heart lies, I think. Yes. And we we move the the Monopoly table of Coronation Street property ownership around around 45 degrees or whatever, Mm -hmm. just to, to move everything around a little bit. But I think it's uh, the potential of that is great. But yes. I also like the fact that the bistro is is kind of quiet because it's normally busy. Uh-huh. But it's been shut for the longest time after the whole uh, skyscraper thing and COVID. Right. And everything is everything is quiet and shut because when we were at Speed Doll, Daisy makes snide comments about how quiet and empty it is. Right. So everything's still quiet and empty except the rovers, I guess. Right, and even that's, yeah, you know, it's, that's, that's, it's that's Johnny, Daniel, and Daisy, and that's that's about it. Yeah, when you look at the um, the classics and the the, mm-hmm. the bar is filled with like five different storylines, right, are in the bar at the same time. Yeah. Ju- the camera just moves right. from one area to the next, and that's great. In one shot, and that's great. And I, five stories I hope, update. I hope that people start wearing their masks and getting vaccinated, so we can get back to things like that. Right. Wear your mask and the vaccinated people. Yeah, and I'm also glad that Debbie went for the fifty percent option rather than selling up completely. Because if she sells up completely, well, that 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 makes Debbie that takes Debbie completely off the street. It does, and it also negates the whole point of getting the one up on Ray Weinstein. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry, you're keeping me up, mm-hmm. but not so, like that. So. Yeah, a lot of potential here. So what didn't you like about it then? Just the fact that Leanne's not catching a break. Just the fact that Jane and Ben should really be still on vacation. Right. I keep on on saying this on Twitter. I keep on wanting to at Jane dancing. Uh I I don't always like atting. Right. I I do it occasionally. Right. And sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't. It worked out with the whole Dollywood thing. It really did. But the thing with me, you know, adding Charlie DeMello about hoping that he gets headhunted by the Bridgerton casting director. That didn't work out. <laughs> Unfortunately. You take your wins, you take your losses, you move on. Hit and miss. But, um, but yeah, I, I've wanted to do, to do that, but maybe she's she's kind of happy to be what, so. He probably feels about us the way Adam Driver feels about John Oliver. John yeah. Oliver at this and George Clooney feels about John Oliver. It's a joke. It also happens to be true. We're also happily married to Our each other. Final storyline today <laughs> is we need to talk about hope. 
Yes, we do. On Monday, Ty's moving back in the flat when Evelyn comes along wondering where Fizz has gone, leaving her with Ruby, which is... <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that we're addressing the fact that Evelyn has left looking <laughs> after Alone Ruby. with Ruby. Right. Ty says that she's off to help Scylla, who has an osteoporosis flare-up. You don't want to know how I've spelled osteoporosis in my notes. Wrong. Evelyn, yes, is <laughs> the short answer. Evelyn clearly doesn't believe him, but doesn't say anything and leaves a bag bag of dog shit on his suitcase. I loved that. Loved that was so good. Mm. That was just... So funny. Love that. The way that he stares at it like he just expected <laughs> it. It's like she leaves dog shit for him. Right, all the, all time. the time. Fizz calls Tyrone from a horrible bed set in Manchester. Hope is fine and hasn't tried to kill anyone in 24 hours. He explains the lies that he told to Evelyn who's sniffing around looking for the truth. Now, wouldn't it have made everything so much easier if she really had just gone to Scylla's like she and and Tyrone? Because uh-huh. didn't she say last week that that's where they were going? Mm-hmm. Why didn't she just do, do that? Right. Back at the flat, Tyrone pretends that Alina's keys were in his other jacket pocket. Mm-hmm. Alina promises to call the police and put them straight that Fizz can't have had anything to do with the fire after all. But none of this changes the fact that someone wants to hurt them and it must have been someone that they know. And Tyrone's like, oh, fuck yeah, I guess. I suppose mm. so. So PC Tinker goes to see Tyrone and Alina because of Alina's concerns about them being targeted. PC Tinker wants names and suggests maybe the human trafficking folks might be back looking for revenge. And poor Alina hasn't even considered this. I know. And I was fucking terrified. She really is. PC Tinker has... That would have made a much more interesting storyline if that if that had actually been what had happened. Yeah, well, that it, would have been it, much more interesting. It calls back to a warning... Right. This is why Alina shouldn't be in the area. Right. She was told to go home. Right. Yeah, she was put in witness protection for Pete's sake. So PC Tinker has gone off to conduct some investigations. Everyone is still in jail apart from Rachel, who's managed to get out because she um, she apparently was a a more... Model prisoner. No, she was a useful witness, so she got a a shorter uh, jail term. The two of them are... And she's also pissed that nobody told her. And she's got a fair point. Yeah, and Craig's like, yeah, somebody should have told you. Anyway. <laughs> so, I'll leave you two to it. The two of them are not safe as so long as Rachel is free and has access to boxes of matches, says Alina. So, Wednesday, Alina is up trying to find Rachel online, still sure that her life is in danger. And rather than come clean, Ty suggests that they move into number nine while Fizz is away because someone looking for her won't think to cross the road. <laughs> at the horrible bedsit, Hope is not in a good mood and is throwing stuff at Fizz while she's on the phone to Ty and Fizz doesn't do anything to stop that happening. No, and it's absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So Ty and Fizz compare notes about Rachel and the fire and he floats the idea of moving into the house, which Fizz has to agree to. At number nine, Evelyn masks her disgust at Alina and Tyrone moving in and sleeping in Fizz's bed. Her sympathies lie with Fizz and the kids, and meanwhile Alina has been asking her old nail bar contacts about the location of Rachel. Yeah, and none of them had known that Rachel was out either. No. On the street, though, Alina sees Rachel at the salon and freezes on the spot. Alina accuses her of trying to set her on fire, but Rachel had nothing to do with that. She's only here to try and find out what really happened. Look, I didn't do anything to hurt you. And Alina says, you fucking sex trafficked me or nail trafficked me. <laughs> and Rachel's like, Well, yeah, apart, apart from, from that. <laughs> and it's really weird that she hear- she's heard about this arson thing. Well, the police went to her. Right. She's hurt. Well, that's not the weird part. The weird part is that after she hears about this, she comes back to the street to play detective trafficker and get to the bottom of this for Alina. Mm-hmm. Why? 
Just so Alina will see her on the street and confront her. That's why. Mm. So back home, Tyrone has been sitting on some information. Rachel had a hospital appointment at the time of the fire and was on CCTV, so it couldn't have been her that set fire to the house. Which she had a hospital appointment in the middle of the night, or in the late late evening. That wasn't that late. It was still daytime. Hope was it? in bed, and Tyrone had gone off to go drinking with Kirk. It was still daylight. It was nighttime. It wasn't. It was daylight. It was broad daylight. It wasn't broad daylight. It was. Hope was in bed. It was bedtime. Yeah, because I got to bed at seven o'clock. It was. It was daylight. It wasn't late at all. She had a hospital appointment. Shop. It's not broad daylight. Alina is more Nobody worried goes to now the doctor at seven. because her arsonist is unknown again. Who could have done this? Who indeed? Asks Evelyn. <laughs> and Tyrone. <laughs> Like, I don't know. It's a mystery to me. Stop looking at me. On Friday, Tyrone is stalling Evelyn, who's trying to get in touch with Fizz. Alina slept better despite being in Fizz's bed. She hopes she can stay here for longer as she can't face the flat until the arsonists are caught. Ty hurriedly leaves for work. So with Ty gone, Alina and Evelyn chat about her miscarriage and the fire. Alina is worried that Tyrone isn't giving himself enough time to grieve here. And Evelyn says that Ty must really love Alina to give up what he has for her. And she suggests to uh, do an act of remembrance for the dead baby. Yes. Which Lena thinks is a lovely idea. Right. And then she's weirded out by the fact that Evelyn's being nice to her. Right. So she goes to the garage and floats the idea to Ty. She also wants them to be honest with each other. They don't have a relationship without honesty. He agrees, but as soon as she leaves, he takes a call from Fizz. Evelyn grabs Chesney on the street. Chance hasn't been able to reach Fizz either. Alina overhears this and finds it curious that Ty is the only one able to get in touch with her. Evelyn gets Scylla's number from Chesney and gives her a call yeah. and learns that Fizz, she ain't there after all. Right, and and Chesney is pissed off because he's been wanting to go down and visit his mother and she keeps putting him off. <laughs> so Poor Chesney. <laughs> She'll see Fizz, but not me. Yeah. Come this on, is, Chesney. This is entirely and keeping off Scylla by the way <laughs> back home Evelyn has had enough of Ty's shite and demands to know where the fuck is Fizz so Tyrone is forced to explain the lies that Fizz has run off with Hope because it was Hope who started the fire this isn't news to Evelyn who makes the point that the wee girl needs to get help and yes. she and Fizz need to get home today yes. and sort this shite out Yes. meanwhile Alina is waiting alone for Tyrone in the community garden yes we are a wee bunch of flowers. Right. And it's fucking and heartbreaking. <laughs> Tyrone's like, well, no, I have to go see Alina in the garden. And Evelyn is like, no, this is more important. And it's kind of like, well, <laughs> is it? Is it? Can this mystery not? Can, can he at least spend five minutes with Alina? Put the flowers down. Yes, very sad. Kiss, kiss. Mm-hmm. And then go get Fizz. So Ty calls Fizz on speakerphone and the two of them Ty and uh, Evelyn make a plea for Fizz to come home. Evelyn points out that they're only going to end up in more trouble the longer that they stay away. They need to come home so Hope can get the help that she needs. Yes. Fizz, that's I kind of skimmed over it. After she like she throws something at Fizz, there's also a kind of cut back where she shouts that she hates it here. She demands to speak to Daddy. Right. And then she's basically ripping paper with a crayon that she's. Right, just so hard that she's. They're just. They're not. They're not allowing any nuance for that poor child no. now. At this point, are they? They're, they're just like, nope. She doesn't care. There's. There's nothing. There's no empathy mm-hmm. whatsoever. She's dead that behind child the eyes now. 
is a sociopath. They need to come home so Hope can get the help that she needs. So Fizz and Hope do come home and it seems to take them like 30 seconds to do so. Elena sees this from round the corner and quickly phones Craig to grass Fizz up. So Fizz is just settling in back home explaining that she's scared of Hope sometimes. Yeah, no kidding. When there's a knock at the door and it's PC Tinker with DS Fringe. Yes, Fred Armisen in a wig is back. Hello, 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 says Craig. What's, What's all, all this? this then? Fizz says DS Fringe, you're lifted. And Tyrone sees Alina watch on from the other side of the street. And then Fizz sees Alina. Bet you're loving this, she says. Ty quietly tells Fizz that this is her chance to go and do the right thing. Fizz is scared as she's taken away. And Ty is furious at Alina and it looks like it works both ways. Alina can't understand why he's still protecting Fizz. He insists that he isn't, but she storms off anyway. And eventually catches up with her at the community garden. She's hurt that he chose his old family over his new family. Fizz over her. So Tyrone is forced to admit that it was Hope what started the fire. Right. At the police station, DS Fringe is questioning Fizz. Why did she run off and why did she lie about it? Fizz explains that she panicked. Well, let's be having the truth now, says DS Fringe, whose manner has improved considerably since she first interviewed Yasmin. Mm-hmm. She must, somebody must have filled out uh, like a comment card or something. Right, right, yes, at some point. Back in the community garden, Ty says Hope was jealous and didn't know that Alina was in the flat. So Alina recaps for us, which I'm kind of I'm glad that she did, but I wish mm-hmm. that she hadn't. Alina says that a 10-year-old stole her keys broke into her flat, stole a toy and set fire to a cot and all this was a cry for help yes. none of this makes any sense says Alina right. and the audience well it does make sense because we, we know Hope better than Alina does obviously <laughs> it's like well yes she's been known to set fires to things this, this is, f- is not the first time she set fires to things this is fucked up and she thinks Fizz is just covering Ty says that that wouldn't happen and Fizz is putting things right at the moment. Alina says that she's lost her baby because of this and there's no putting that right. Ty floats the idea that maybe the fire wasn't 100% responsible for this. Right, which everybody has been saying. Right, but this wasn't the right time to say that. No. And this is enough for Alina to say, you're fucking dumped, she says. we're done. In the same place where they shared their first kiss. Kismet. So meanwhile, back home, Hope is playing He Loves Her, He Loves Her Not and is pleased to land on Not. Yeah. <laughs> and she tells Ruby, and Ruby thinks this is hilarious. Yes. Evelyn sees this and is shocked by Hope's lack of remorse. Hope thinks that this is all going to be worth it if Daddy and Mummy get back together again. Right, and she also does the, the Todd thing and says, I've said sorry a million times. Yeah, what you want Get over me? it, people. Right. Later, Evelyn explains Hope's lack of remorse to Ty, who explains that he and Alina have now broken up. He blames himself, but Evelyn says Hope was fucked up long before he started sowing his wild oats. Yes. Then DS Fringe arrives for some reason and tells him that Fiona has confessed to starting the fire and can expect some jail time. And that's how we end this week's episode. And Evelyn sits down heavily on the couch because they're all like, oh, you're here to get Hope. Right. No, we're going to have to... Evelyn says that he doesn't. She doesn't have to worry about red rum being written on her bedroom door anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I'm just kidding. I love the girl. Right? Yeah, and she does. She loves those girls, but right. She's because Fizz loves Hope, but is also terrified of her. Here's a question for you: Was this storyline started at the start, or was it started at the end? What do you mean? 
was the storyline started with the, the idea that they had in mind was Fizz goes away for a while or was it started with Tyrone has a midlife crisis and an affair? Because I'm starting to wonder if this was this is the end and was in mind because Alina and Tyrone have now split up yeah, and Fizz is going to go to jail. So for Fizz to go to jail, why would she go to jail? Well, let's say that she's taking her up for Hope. Right. Because Hope has did something. Hope set fire to something. Why did she set fire to? Oh, she set fire to Alina's flat because Alina's now having uh, a relationship with Tyrone. And let's say that she got pregnant and has a miscarriage because of the fire. And so they split up. You see? So it all kind of goes back to the fact that let's put Tyrone Tyrone and Alina together yeah or did it start with Tyrone and Alina together and let's see how it develops because I, I suspect it was the former if Fizz is going away for a while and the fact that Alina and Ty have split up if they have split up they've, they've split up for now they split up we knew we knew once that baby was no longer in the picture they were going to split up because before the baby was in the picture we were like this isn't going to last very long because they have nothing in common right and they were starting to realise that. They were proving that week in, week out, that they right. had nothing in common. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced that Fizz is going away for a while. I'm not sure either, but if she does... Because Evelyn, Evelyn and Tyrone have got to say, nope, this is... this. She can't take the rap for Hope. And say, no, Hope did it. Because... Evelyn from the very beginning and I think Tyrone at this point now as well realize Hope really needs help needs actual help especially this week from what we've seen of her right yeah she's there's out, no out of control there's no this isn't trying to control her though that's the thing right there's she's not trying to control her and for some reason she's got it in her mind that she has to protect Hope from getting better because she doesn't want Hope to be labeled mm-hmm. as an arsonist and a sociopath. Right. But if she doesn't do something, if right. she doesn't get her help, it's just going to get worse. And it's frustrating because she did go away to get help already once before. Mm-hmm. Which is how she ran into she, Jade. She went away to Scotland, as everyone does. Oh, no, it was Birmingham. Right, yeah. But it, but it may as well have been Scotland right. because that's where people tend Birmingham, to go on Scotland, the show, right? right. Um, yeah, remember when Daniel went to quote end quote Scotland? Yeah, and it just and it was just like up the hill and the right in the moors. <laughs> yeah, she's um, she's burying her head in the sand about it, right? But and but Tyrone hope, hope is going to freak out if Fizz goes to prison. Hope's not going to be happy because the whole point. If they get mommy and daddy to be back together. Mm -hmm. And if mommy's in prison, then mommy and daddy can't get back together. Right. So something's going to happen. Here's what I liked more than I expected was, and I think I almost touched on this last week, was Alina throughout this, and especially last week, and especially, especially this week, when she's been figuratively on her own mm-hmm. you know she's been with Ty but she's wanting right different things well, she wants to know who's trying to kill her and no one right. else seems particularly bothered by this and she's bothered by it mm-hmm. and she's bothered by the fact that no one else is bothered by it right and 
I don't know, she she looks really gone and mm-hmm. she looks like she's not sleeping. Right. And she looks consumed by this. Right. And she's getting no sympathy really from anybody to no. speak of. And she's just been kind of abandoned. Yeah. And her being this abandoned character this week has absolutely made me empathise with her far more than I'd really? done before. Yeah, because I felt she was a kind of empty character before. We didn't really know anything about her. Right. And anything that we did know about her seemed to be wrong right. based on how this relationship And went, then all of a sudden out. she became this giggly mess and stuff. It, there right. does seem, and that was awful. There, yeah. And there still does seem to be a bit of a petulant child about Alina that, you know, she gets the keys back and everything. And the police say, we will handle this. And she doesn't want to let the police handle things. Yeah. Well, somebody sit far at your flat. I wouldn't be, like, going around and calling Craig every five seconds when I think that somebody's well, done something wrong. You'd call a competent police person, right? <laughs> I, for one thing, I don't have any police officers on speed dial on my phone, which no. Alina seems to have Craig Is that number. zero days since Craig last broke police protocol by taking a police matter on his personal phone? One has to assume. Craig... Police people do leave you a little card. Right. So maybe yeah. it was that. But who knows? Speed dial. Speed dial? Speed, speed dial. dial. Oh, I've just got that. No, I done you that. I'm kidding. You sure? Yeah. No, I, I did. I felt. Yeah, I. Yeah, I. There's, there still seems to be. I'm not, I'm not as empathetic to Alina at this point as you are i am empathetic towards it was like the saddest thing in the world seeing her it really was sitting in that garden by herself mm-hmm. when tyrone was supposed to be there but she's been like that for a week or more but yeah i i i guess it just annoys me how convinced she is is that fizz did this and that fizz is jealous and that fizz wants tyrone back and that fizz is <sighs> right. doing this that's really annoying because right. it's totally not something Fizz would do. I don't think I've, I've, I've mentioned that she thinks that Fizz is um, Fizz saying that it's hope is Fizz covering for herself. Right, which Fizz would, again, Fizz would right. never do. But this is Nina blaming Asha. Uh, no, not really because Asha didn't set fire to anything. She just sold a laptop. But you know, and the and, laptop was on fire. And, and Nina was right that that Asha does want to get back together with her. But you know, because this is kind of like the stuff before with Alina, with the whole oh, getting jealous of Tyrone, getting upset about fizz stuff and and blaming fizz for it instead of blaming tyrone the person right there and then the whole you know oh she's just she wrote that article and now we have to write an article because now people think i'm awful when people already thought she was awful because she stole tyrone which she didn't really steal tyrone that whole side of it and the whole childishness of not expecting your partner to have a relationship with his ex when there's children involved and they live on the same street right It's, it's not yeah, it's unusual to, I guess, to, to hear someone have that opinion that that should right. be. Right, but then she says in the next breath that she expects him to have a relationship with the girls. And stuff. Right, yeah, but she doesn't seem to understand 
that having a relationship with the girls means that he has to have a sort of a relationship with Fizz as well. And again, this seems like a personality swap with her. Because remember, before she was trying to build bridges with Fizz by getting her that job at the factory. Right. So it's like, it's still really annoying that Alina is different people on different days. Yeah. Well, the, but we knew that they were going to break up sooner rather than later, so I'm glad that's happened. Right? Do you think Fizz and Tyrone are going to get back together? I don't know. I think Fizz is far too hot. We we can't have a litany of broken relationships get fixed by putting like, a bandaid over it, right? And allowing people back into your life. Here's it's what whole, I'm worried about. I'm worried that they're going to get back together. Just so hope will stop setting fires. <laughs> I, you know, it's the whole jade thing all over again. The well, only is, way to like, the only way to stop her is to give her what she wants. Well, no, that makes her do dread. If they had put their foot down with the whole jade stuff and not given her what she wants, then she wouldn't have said, "Hey, if I do something awful, it will scare people and they will give me what I want, and mommy and daddy will get back together." Mm-hmm. They've taught this child that this is how she gets results. It's their own fault. Oh, absolutely. Our call a year ago, more than a year ago, right. having been the worst parents in the world. Yes, I think it was spot on. Yeah, it was. It was half and a joke. At the and time, it's, but it's bang on and right it's, now. And it's awful because you you think that they're finally going to do the right thing. And then Fizz does the wrong thing. Right. Well, that was the week that was Coronation Street. Yes. Uh, it's a mediocre week, I think, at best. What was your moment of the week? The dog shit? <laughs> no. Um... Abby making amends with Nina? Oh, no, because we've done that at least twice before. I, I know, this, Brian mentioning Tim's no, dad. This, for me, is is not so much... Well, it is for this week, but I, I think it's more the promise of what this could bring us. But my personal favourite moment of the week was uh, the interaction between Leanne and and Debbie in the bistro. Oh, I thought you were going to say the interaction between Shona and and Todd. No. <laughs> trading more stories about brain injuries. No. That was really cute. And I liked the whole slide. You know, I've always wanted to do this. Mm-hmm. Slide the thing over. <laughs> it's like they've they become uh, billionaires or something, right? They, ha- they have... What new plaything do you have for me? Right. Let's pretend to be the right. the kind of person who does this. Yes. When Nick, you're already the kind of person who does that. <laughs> that whole bit for them being the kind of business tourists looking for right. a, new, yeah. a new thing to invest right. in. Right. And, and the whole how fresh, it, you know, what kind of fish? Yeah, Tasty that, fish. That whole yes. thing. That, that, yes. Okay. I am 100% behind that. Brilliant. That is our moment of the week. Moment of the week. Your boring moment of the week. Everything else. <laughs> no, it was everything else last week, I think. Uh, Roy talking about finding that pot. It was, it, it was fairly Roy. Right, it was very Roy. And it was, but it was like, we don't need him to explain where, you know, that he bought it at a second-hand shop for the... 
for the garden. Yeah, it was you, a little what bit. What do you think this is a Deacon Blue song? It was a little Fuck bit. It, Roy, just get to the point. <laughs> it was a little bit too much exposition there. It was not the time filler. That's what it was. Anyway, it was exposition, and it was our boring moment of the week. It gave him a reason to go to the garden and see it was ruined. Or was it Johnny? No, because no, Johnny was creepy. It wasn't boring. It was creepy. There's right. a difference. Absolutely, and I'd do well to remember that. <laughs> yes, you should. Shall we finish up then? Yes, please. We've got a Cleveland to get to. Yes, we got some packing to do. Have you ever shaved your privates in a public bathroom? <laughs> I don't want to know. No we're the talk of the street at gmail.com and we're at Corey Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Would you mean no comment? You can shout me and Helen the coffee by heading to kofi.com. That's K O fi.com slash the talk of the street. Check out the clicky clicky section of vogel.co.uk for links to our merch store and YouTube channel. And if you're so inclined, please leave a rating and a review on the iTunes or your podcast provider of choice. Thanks for making the end of another episode. And we will be back next week with more talk of, talk the, of the street. street. Cheerio. Bye.